What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Again, it's way too hot outside to be brought to you by Nerd Tees, but don't worry. The Nerd Tees is coming back, hopefully if we get an NFL season, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Welcome to the first round predictions for the 2020 NHL tournament to award the Stanley Cup. So we'll take a brief look at my results from both the qualifying round and round robin play heading into this first round, as well as, and this is where we will start start, we will just say a quick word here on the New York Rangers winning the second phase of the NHL's Dog and Pony Show draft lottery. So the Rangers win the lottery. They get the first crack at drafting Alexis Lafreniere out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I think Lafreniere is the slam dunk to go first overall. I think it's a failure if any other player happens to go first overall. So look, the Rangers get the first crack at him. The Rangers are really accelerating their rebuild here and retool or whatever the heck you want to call it. Now, I will say in terms of the options that could have won the lottery, the Rangers fall somewhere in the middle to me. Luckily, they're not the absolute disaster sandwich that it would have been had the Penguins or Oilers or Leafs won the lottery. And it's absolutely nothing against those teams. That's just a way of me saying like, look, I don't think really good teams who failed their way into the lottery should have won it. Now, I mean, obviously, if they would have, there's nothing we can do about that. It's the way the setup was. The setup wasn't great to begin with, but the NHL's kind of working with what they have to work with here, and they're kind of working without a net. But had one of those three teams won, it really would have been like, great, a, a pretty darn good contending team within their conference just got a potential generational talent. And that feels to me just disingenuous. It feels against the spirit of what the draft lottery and what the draft in general is supposed to do the way it's supposed to help the lesser performing teams. I would rather have a team like the Rangers, who I would say overachieved this year, but are still in this conversation. I'd rather have a team like that win it, even though they're in the Eastern Conference, than have a team who vastly, vastly underperformed to be in this conversation to win that pick. So congratulations to the Rangers in winning that pick. And I think there's a really interesting experiment here to be had in trying Lafreniere on the right side. And part of why I say that is the Rangers left wing depth is really, really deep. Like your top two there is pretty solid in Panarin and I believe Chris Kreider can basically slot in as the second line left winger. Well, now you bring in a player like Lafreniere, but I think if you send Lafreniere to the AHL for his first year, it did great things for Kotkaniemi. It's something that they should really look at and try him for that first year on the right side. And I just think that would be an option for them to really better deploy a player like this, get him comfortable playing on both sides of the wing, kind of like Ovechkin. He can play either side. He has his preference, but he can play either side. If you develop Lafreniere as that kind of weapon who can play on either wing at the NHL level, that's deadly. And the Rangers are going to be a problem sooner rather than later. Now, on to my results from the round robin and the qualifying round leading into this first round of the NHL playoffs. In the Eastern Conference and Western Conference round robins, I was even money on the games at 3-3, three and three, which does unfortunately mean that in both cases, my seeding left a little something to be desired. So in the East, I did take the Lightning over the Capitals. I took the Flyers over the Capitals and did take the Capitals over over the Boston Bruins. Those are the three games that I got correct. The other three I whiffed on. The result of that, unfortunately, is that I was only one and three in the way that I picked the seeding. Like I did have Philly leapfrogging Washington into the third seed, but I had Boston, Tampa, Philly, Washington. So obviously the only one there that I actually got correct was the Tampa Bay Lightning remaining the number two seed in the East. On the west side, I got Vegas over Dallas, Colorado over Dallas, and Dallas over St. Louis. So kind of the same as you know Washington 
and Dallas were kind of the same there where I got two of them correct in that team losing and one correct in that team winning. So again, same deal in the Western Conference. My seeding picks were only one and three because I had them staying the same. So the only one that I got correct was Colorado maintaining that number two seed. So overall, I was six and six in the games in the round robin and only two and six in the seeding. But you know what? I guess I'd rather have the games correct than the seeding be you know specifically perfect so breaking even on the games I feel all right with and actually some of the final scores I got pretty damn close to they were like within a goal either way quite a few of them I did very well picking the qualifying round in the Eastern Conference. I did correctly get Montreal over Pittsburgh, which is obviously the surprise of the first round. I correctly got Carolina over the New York Rangers, even though I didn't pick a sweep. And I did get the New York Islanders over the Florida Panthers. The West, I struggled with comparatively. I only went 1-3 and three in the West, only getting the Vancouver Canucks knocking off the Minnesota Wild. So I was only 4-4 four and four in the qualifying round, picking both the Eastern and Western conferences. So basically, I broke even. But the real-world results have led us to some very interesting first-round playoff matchups, which we're going to get to talk about in the rest of this episode. In the East, you have the number one seed Philadelphia Flyers, who had a great round robin, taking on the number eight seed, but really technically a 12 seed, Montreal Canadiens. We've got the number two seed Tampa Bay Lightning, taking on number seven, but technically number nine, Columbus Blue Jackets. We got the Washington Capitals as the three seed, taking on the six seed, which is technically a seven seed, New York Islanders. And the number four seed, Boston Bruins, who had an awful round robin, taking on the number five seed, which is technically a number six, the Carolina Hurricanes, which is a bad draw for the Bruins, I'll just say it up front. Over on the West, you have basically the same matchup up top. The number one seeded Vegas Golden Knights taking on the number eight seed, which is actually the 12 seed Chicago Blackhawks. The number two seed Colorado Avalanche, as I predicted, taking on the number seven seed, which is actually an 11, the Arizona Coyotes who knocked off Nashville in the qualifying round, which I did not predict was going to happen. The number three seed, Dallas Stars, taking on the number six seed, which is technically an eight seed, Calgary Flames. And the number four seed, the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, taking on the fifth seed, which is technically a seven seed, the Vancouver Canucks. Obviously, I did not have Chicago, Arizona, or Calgary being in this spot. So it's a lot of new information for me to take into account when I was doing these predictions. So let's start right up top, that Western Conference 1v12 technically matchup, the Vegas Golden Knights undefeated in the round robin at 3-0, taking on a 3-1 Chicago Blackhawks team, obviously winning their qualifying round matchup in four games over Edmonton. Season series between these two teams, two of the three games were won by the Vegas Golden Knights, and Vegas had the edge in scoring 9-7. The betting odds and all of the betting odds that will be talked about come via Five Dimes. So shout out to Five Dimes for being the only one that I could really find with some legitimate lines. The Golden Knights are laying minus 325 as very heavy favorites in this series. Chicago plus 265. These two teams combined for 31 goals scored in the round robin and qualifying round matchups. The Knights 15 goals on the board from 10 different goal scorers. Alex Tuck leading the way for the Knights with three. Chicago obviously no slouches, 16 goals scored from eight different goal scorers and Captain Sirius Jonathan Taves leading the way here for his team with four of those 16 goals. So obviously you've got very similar scoring and you've got very similar goaltending in the qualifying round and round robin from these two teams. Unfortunately, that goaltending was not very good. The Vegas Golden Knights combination of Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard, which is really, really interesting because not only did Robin Leonard, I think, begin the season on the Chicago Blackhawks roster, it's you got to remember, Chicago were sellers at the trade deadline. They traded away pieces and they're still in this spot. 
So Leonard started the season on Chicago's roster, but the combination of Flurry and Leonard, only an 873 save percentage in the round robin, stopping 69 of 79 pucks in three games. Corey Crawford played all four games for Chicago in that round, uh, that qualifying round against Edmonton. He stopped 122 of 137, but that's only an 891 save percentage. So neither one of these two teams sniffed 900 on the save percentage. There's going to be a lot of goals in this series. I'm just going to tell you right now. On the analytical side of things, we are going to stick with that Corsi, Fenwick, and PDO measurements from the previous three seasons, so back since 17-18. Uh, but now that we actually have some results on paper currently, we're also going to incorporate those results. So looking at Corsi, Fenwick, and PDO since 17-18, the Golden Knights have pretty measurable advantages basically across the board, and that only extended into the qualifying round and round robin which is where i think the knights have the real lean in this series so in the regular season results since 1718 the vegas golden knights hold a three percent advantage on the Corsi scale and once again Corsi and Fenwick are just two different ways of measuring possession essentially so the Golden Knights three percent advantage that's pretty darn measurable especially over that long period of time and on the Fenwick scale the advantage gets larger it's 4.2 percent now in terms of PDO which you can describe as puck luck PDO is a combination of your team's save percentage and shooting percentage. This is just in case anybody doesn't know what these terms are. So for PDO, let's say, let's make it really easy. Let's say your team has a save percentage of 9-10. And let's say your shooting percentage was 9%. Well, 9-10, your 91% plus your 10% yeah, yeah, let's do that. 91% save percentage plus 10% shooting percentage, your PDO score would be 101, which would be a pretty darn good PDO score. Like usually a very elite PDO score, and this will come into play here as we continue talking about the series. An elite PDO score over the long term is like high 101, low 102. That's an elite PDO score over the course of you know a few seasons so when you're looking at pdo again you're thinking of it as in very general terms puck luck getting a save when you need it scoring a goal when you need it vegas holds a very 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 slim advantage over the last three seasons over the chicago blackhawks in pdo it's only 0.1 percent so they are essentially equal when it comes to their quote-unquote puck luck However, when you take a look at the results from the qualifying round and round robin, these numbers, all three of them, grow in Vegas's advantage. On the Corsi scale, they have an 8.2% advantage over the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of Corsi, a 9.3% advantage over the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of Fenwick, and 0.6% advantage over the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of PDO. So for the analytical, the stat heads out there, the pick in this series should be pretty easy. I'm going to trust those numbers there. I don't have any reason really to believe that Chicago is going to have lightning strike twice here. The Vegas Golden Knights are a much better hockey team than the Edmonton Oilers are. They're a much more complete hockey team, play as a more complete team than do the Edmonton Oilers. So I just don't see Chicago having the same kind of luck. And in terms of getting a GD occasional save... I'm going to bank on one of Robin Leonard or Marc-Andre Fleury, whichever one of them it happens to be. I'm going to bank on one of them getting the big save over Corey Crawford because I've just seen it more recently. I've seen at least one of those goaltenders, if not both of them, play at a very high level more recently than I have Corey Crawford. So we're going to lean on the Vegas Golden Knights here. I think this one is probably the layup of the first round so we're going to take the vegas golden knights to beat chicago we're going to take the knights in five games i'm not going to disrespect chicago and the experience that that chicago team has and i'm going to pay credit to the fact that they did win that series that not a lot of people expected them to win so i'm going to give them the credit of taking a game off of vegas 
I just don't think it's going to go much farther than that. Golden Knights in five. So with Vegas's betting odds there, Vegas minus 325, because I think this is such a layup and probably the layup of the first round, I will bet that even though those are really, really, really high odds, I just feel like making a little bit of money there. So that is a series line that I would bet. Bet the Golden Knights minus 325. Maybe prior to the start of that series, you might see that line come down a little bit. Like if you can get anything in the very, very low minus 300s, like if you can get like a 310 or a 305, feel a lot better about it. But I'm still going to bet Vegas minus 325. Let's take a look at that two versus 11 matchup now. The Colorado Avalanche did not lose in regulation in the round robin at 2-0-1, taking on the 11-seed Arizona Coyotes, who did dispatch the Nashville Predators in four games in the qualifying round, which I certainly did not think they were going to do. The Coyotes did not lose in regulation to the Colorado Avalanche in this past regular season. They had one win and a loss in extra time, outscoring Colorado in those two games 5-3. to three. So only four goals per game in those two games. A little more defensive, a little more nitty. The betting odds here see another heavy favorite like we just saw in the previous uh, series. Colorado minus 290, laying 290 on the line. Arizona at plus 245. So if you really believe in the Coyotes, there's plenty of value on that line. Colorado scored nine goals in round robin play coming from eight different goal scorers. Eunice Donskoy being the only player on the avalanche to score multiple goals in round robin. The Coyotes, 14 goals in that first round series against Nashville, coming from 11 different goal scorers, with three different scorers having multiple goals. Should be a very interesting and hopefully high-level goaltending matchup here as well. The combination of Philip Grubauer and Pavel Francouz for Colorado, stopping 80 of 85 shots in round-robin play, a 941 save percentage. I imagine this is Grubauer's net going forward. However, Colorado's got to feel good about the fact that they've got Pavel Francouz right there who can step in at a moment's notice, and the quality of play I don't think is going to dip very much, if at all. For Arizona, Darcy Kemper stole that series, guys. 163 shots against in four games. He averaged 41 shots against and stood on his head for a 933 save percentage and stole that series from the Nashville Predators. There's no reason Nashville should have lost that series other than Darcy Kemper absolutely robbing them. Colorado does have slight analytical advantages here over Arizona over the past three seasons. It's only 0.2% and 0.7% respectively on the Corsi and Fenwick scales. So possession is pretty much a coin flip. Where Colorado does hold a pretty significant advantage, however, is in the PDO or again, quote unquote, puck luck. 1.7% higher on the PDO scale than is Arizona. Colorado just gets those big moments a little bit more frequently. Now, not to overreact to a very small sample size of three and four games respectively. However, in the qualifying round and in round robin play, Colorado absolutely dominated in terms of possession and Arizona very, very weak in terms of possessing the puck. Colorado with a 12.9% advantage on the Corsi scale and 13.7% advantage on the Fenwick scale in all situations. That is massive. That is controlling the puck 12 to almost 14% more than your opposition. That is a massive, almost insurmountable advantage. I know people talk about possession like it's an overrated stat. You can't score goals if you don't possess the puck. And Colorado with a massive analytical advantage on that level. Now, the give back there, Arizona's puck luck against Nashville was crazy, crazy high. Very, very good in that series. So they actually hold a 2.4% advantage 
over Colorado in terms of their PDO from that first uh, qualifying round and round robin play. So that is the analytical advantage that Arizona does hold. But look, the one thing you can say about PDO is more than all the other stats, it kind of falls back to the mean more so than the possession numbers do. Possession is a matter of system. PDO is a matter of kind of a matter of luck. So look, those numbers will kind of fall back to the average. So I put more stock in the fact that Colorado can outpossess the hell out of Arizona than I do with Arizona being a little luckier with the puck. Based on that, I simply don't see a path to Arizona upsetting Colorado. I really don't. Nashville didn't get the goaltending that they needed in that first round series, and obviously Kemper stood on his head. Even if Kemper stands on his head again and has close to a repeat performance of what he put up against Nashville, first of all, Colorado is a better offensive team. They might be the deepest offensive team in hockey. But even if you put that to the side... They've got a goaltending tandem on the other side that will be making those big saves. That did play much better than the combination of UC Saros and Pekka Rinne in that qualifying round. And it's going to be much harder for Arizona to be able to justify playing the same type of game and expecting the same results. I, I love Colorado in this series. I think Colorado wins this thing in five games. I'm all about the Avalanche. The Avalanche are probably the team I'm going to be riding straight through the Western Conference, if we're being perfectly honest. I like how this team matches up against anybody that's left in this thing. So let's take the Avalanche. I'm going to take Colorado in five games here once again. I think Darcy Kemper can steal a game with how he played in the qualifying round. I think that's about it. So we're going to take Colorado. We're going to take him in five games. And I will bet that series line of Colorado minus 290. Once again, I think this is essentially a layup series. So we'll just take that, take some chip damage, make a little money off of it. Colorado minus 290 is a line that I will bet. The 3v8 matchup is what's up next. The Dallas Stars, only one and two in round robin play. And that one win, I think, was in a shootout, was it not? I think they were well on their way to being 0-3. Did not play well in round robin play. Taking on a Calgary Flames team that took three of four off of the Winnipeg Jets in the qualifying round. I had Winnipeg winning that qualifying round series. Calgary did play well. Calgary also played Dallas fairly well this season, two and one in the three games they played head-to-head, scoring in those games eight to six in favor of Calgary. Now the betting line here is very, very close, so Vegas obviously thinks that this is going to be a close series as well. Dallas come into the series as the favorites, laying minus 120, however Calgary is plus money right now at plus 100 on five dimes. I know last night this line was minus 115, minus 105. So as of right now, you can get the Flames at plus money. Dallas only scored four goals in those three round robin games, coming from three different goal scorers, with Joe Pavelski being the only forward, the only skater who chipped in multiple goals with two. Calgary put 16 goals on the board on Connor Hellebuck and the Winnipeg Jets in four games. They came from 11 different goal scorers, five of whom had multiple goals in that series. An incredible balanced offensive performance from a Calgary Flames team that got production from all over the ice. In terms of the goaltending, Dallas's goaltending was okay. Um, Anton Kudobin played two of the three games for Dallas. Ben Bishop only got in to play one. The combination of the two, they stopped 86 of 95 shots. That's only a 905 save percentage. So it is above 900, but in terms of NHL numbers, that's pretty below average. Like I'd say that's I'd say that's almost mediocre, a 905 in you know the highest level of hockey. 
Cam Talbot played all three, sorry, all four games for the Calgary Flames in their qualifying round series against Winnipeg. He stopped 104 of 110 shots. That's a 945 save percentage. Cam Talbot came to play. He understands he's got the young guy behind him, David Riddich, who obviously would have been hungry to get in there, but Cam Talbot showed up. He came to play. Calgary did very well, really across the board against Winnipeg. Have to give the edge to the Calgary Flames on the analytical side of things over the past three seasons. Calgary with a very measurable 2.9% advantage on the Corsi scale over the past three seasons and a 2.3% advantage on the Fenwick scale. So possession-wise, Calgary definitely the team that possesses the puck the most. Dallas has a slight edge in terms of their puck luck, their PDO, at 0.5%. It's an advantage, but it's a fairly small one. And obviously, in qualifying round and round robin play, given that the Dallas Stars did not play very good for the vast majority of the round robin, those advantages really skyrocketed. The Calgary Flames with an 8.9% advantage on the Corsi scale so far in qualifying round and round robin, and an 8.1% advantage on the Fenwick scale. Those are very significant advantages in terms of possession so i mean look if calgary can even possess the puck three percent more than the dallas stars do that really puts dallas behind the eight ball especially where they struggled to score goals in the qualifying round now the pdo side of things is interesting and once again i kind of have to talk about how pdo really is a stat that will kind of eventually over the long term sort of fall back into the middle Right now, the Calgary Flames hold a 13.7% advantage in the qualifying round and round robin on the PDO scale over Dallas. That is ridiculous. And obviously, it comes from the fact that Calgary performed very well. Dallas did not perform very well. Again, they only scored four goals. In terms of PDO, Calgary is one of these teams. I tweeted about this, I believe it was yesterday. There's four or five teams at the top of the PDO scale, just from qualifying round and round robin, who have ridiculous PDO scores, like 109, 106. So, I mean, the save percentages were crazy high. Shooting percentages were crazy high. And those are not sustainable even throughout an entire playoff round. Over the last few years, like over complete playoffs, even the best PDO scores are like mid-103, low-103, high-102. So yes, they're a little bit higher than the regular season, but nothing in those terms of like 109s and 106s and even 105s or 104s. That's not shown to be sustainable over the long haul. Is it sustainable in one round or maybe two? Absolutely. But over the length of an entire playoff, definitely not. So it's it's important that Calgary's got a lot of puck luck right now, and that could play itself out again in this series. Just don't look at the PDO numbers and go, oh my God, they're going to sweep them, because I don't think that's a legitimate prediction. What I do think is more legitimate, though, again, is the possession numbers and the fact that they really have carried over over the past three regular seasons. And that gap, I believe, has only grown. I really saw virtually nothing out of Dallas in the round robin that I was overly impressed with. I'm going to take the flames here. I didn't expect them to beat Winnipeg. They proved me wrong. I'm kind of on the Flames bandwagon here. I think that balanced scoring attack is going to prove to be too much for Dallas and too much for the goaltending that only looked eh, adequate, if that. I'm going to take Calgary in this series. Now, I think this does go the full seven. Dallas is a team that does have tenacity and obviously does not want to lose. No team that's made it to this point wants to lose. I think this game, this series, sorry, goes the full seven games, but I'm going to take the Calgary Flames in seven games. And obviously where we can get Calgary at plus money, I'm definitely going to be taking Calgary plus 100. That is the series line I would bet. And the final Western Conference matchup sees the St. Louis Blues, who fell all the way down to the four seed in the West, with a winless round robin 0-2-1 in their three round robin games, taking on the Vancouver Canucks, the number seven seed in the West, who won three of the four games against the Minnesota Wild, knocking them out in four. 
Canucks were unbeaten in regulation this season against the St. Louis Blues. Very, very interesting. 2-0-1 in their three head-to-head matchups, outscoring St. Louis by the slimmest of margins, 7-6. The betting odds in this series see St. Louis laying minus 210 as the favorite in this series. Understandably so, they're the defending cup champions. Vancouver comes in at plus 175. St. Louis did not get a ton of offense in their three-round robin games. Six goals from four different goal scorers, two of whom had multiple goals in the round robin. Vancouver, 12 goals in their four-game qualifying round series, coming from nine different goal scorers, three of whom had multiple goals. Goaltending should be where this series is won and lost. In the round robin, we saw a healthy mixture for St. Louis of both Jordan Bennington and uh, Jared Allen. The combination of those two stopping 103 of 112 shots, a 920 save percentage. This is only going to reignite the conversation about, can Jake Allen be a starter somewhere? I mean, we've tried that experiment. I don't necessarily think it went great, but, you know, I could be wrong about that. Vancouver, Jacob Markstrom played all of that four-game series, stopping 112 of 121 pucks in four games, a 926 save percentage. So these two teams, goaltending and which one holds up better over the other, will probably be the single determining factor in what wins this series. The analytical side of this series is a tale of two cities. It really is. St. Louis has very significant advantages, well, significant advantages, on both the Corsi and Fenwick scale over the past three seasons. 2.9% higher on the Corsi scale and 3.2% higher on the Fenwick scale. So in general, over the past few seasons, the Blues definitely a team that control the play, possess the puck much more than the Vancouver Canucks do. St. Louis also has a marginal advantage in puck luck or PDO at 0.3%. And once again, like in the previous series, based on a very strong performance in the qualifying round and a not-so-great performance in the round robin from St. Louis, Vancouver's numbers are crazy, crazy high in, in this direct comparison. Vancouver plus 11.5% on the Corsi scale and plus 10.6% on the Fenwick scale so far in qualifying round and round robin play. They also hold a 2.4% advantage in PDO. So you have to ask yourself here the eternal question, how much stock do you put into three games and four games on one side or the other as a sample size in terms of who's really got possession and PDO advantages heading into this direct series and where those numbers, the script has basically completely flipped from what you've seen over the past three years in the regular season it's tough to say just exactly how much that will come into play. It's possible that Vancouver just really dominated a Minnesota team that they were better than. This is the series that I really flip-flopped back and forth on, and I really wanted to take Vancouver plus 175. You have no idea how much I wanted to take Vancouver plus 175. I just think St. Louis has too much experience here. Vancouver's a young team. Their core is very young. Their elite players are very young. They've got a they've got a shot. They definitely have a shot. But Jacob Markstrom, I think, is going to be the quote unquote weakest link of this team because I don't necessarily know that he keeps up a 926 pace where I can definitely see Jordan Bennington keeping up a 920. So if Markstrom is the one that falters a little bit. I think the St. Louis Blues win this series. I don't have a fantastic read on this thing, but I am going to take the Blues in the full seven-game series. I think this is going to be one of the highlights of the first round. This is going to be a really interesting, really fun series to watch. I'll take the Blues in seven games, but I am not going to make a series bet on this series not only because you know they're laying minus 210 as the favorites but because I, I could very easily see Vancouver winning this series and then I'm going to feel like a dope for not betting Vancouver plus 175 and betting the heavy favorite instead so I'm just not going to make a series bet on this series
So there we go. For anyone that says I favor the Eastern Conference too much, I gave you the Western Conference picks first. Now let's go to the Eastern Conference picks, and we will start right at the top with the Philadelphia Flyers undefeated in the round robin in the East, taking on the number 12 seed Montreal Canadiens. Again, the giant surprise of the first round. Montreal knocking off the Pittsburgh Penguins in four games and... I mean, look, I picked it, but that was really a vanity pick. That was my vanity pick of the qualifying round. Was I was just like, I'm just going to pick Montreal because I, I want to see Montreal win. And then they did, and then I was like, huh, neat. I mean, obviously, my reaction, I was, I was out of my mind. Like, I was at work when game four ended and my boss can tell you I was I was almost crying as I was standing there because I was like I can't believe this happened and I should believe it because Montreal kind of has an MO of doing that when they're severe underdogs but still have like to use a poker analogy a chip in a chair like they're they, they've done that they've had a history doing that Edge in the season series here goes to the Philadelphia Flyers two games to one. However, Montreal did outscore Philly in those three games, nine to eight. Betting odds here, Philadelphia is laying minus 220 as the series favorite. Montreal comes in at plus 180, so very similar line to like a Vancouver-St. Louis. Scoring in terms of both depth and balance, uh, very, very similar as well with these two teams. Philadelphia scored 11 goals from eight different goal scorers in round robin play. Scott Lawton, the surprise leader on the team with three goals. Montreal scoring 10 goals from seven different goal scorers in their four game series with Pittsburgh. Three players with a pair of goals apiece. As far as I'm concerned, this is the premier goaltending matchup of the first round of the playoffs carter hart versus Carey price the past slash current and the future of the position carter hart is the future of the goaltending position i love carter hart i love the way he plays goal he is tremendous and is going to have a fantastic career ahead of him let's see if it starts with a playoff round win Carter Hart and Brian Elliott did play some. They kind of split time in the round robin. The two of them combined to stop 73 of 76 pucks in three games. A 961 save percentage between the two of them. So obviously both of them played very, very well against elite competition. Carey Price against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and that high-powered Pittsburgh Penguins offense stood on his head. 126 saves on 133 shots. That's a 947 save percentage. Guess what? Surprise, surprise. The King is back. Uh, that's 2015 Carey Price. That's 2014 Carey Price. That's the Carey Price that I remember. And when he's rested, holy cow, he played incredible in that series. He's going to have to do it again. In terms of Corsi Fenwick and PDO over the last few seasons, Montreal does hold a slight possession advantage here. 1.6% on the Corsi scale and 0.7% on the Fenwick scale. So they're not huge advantages, but they are possession advantages nonetheless. Philly with the PDO advantage over the last few seasons of 1% even over Montreal. Now, so far in this qualifying round and round robin play, Montreal has held serve on their Corsi advantage. It's only 0.7%, but it is still a possession advantage there. However, Philadelphia has flipped the script on the Fenwick scale. 1.1% advantage does Philly have over Montreal. And in the PDO is where there's the biggest analytical advantage between these two teams. And it's in favor of Philadelphia because Philadelphia's PDO, again, it, the Philadelphia was one of the ridiculously high. They might even be the number one PDO team through the qualifying round and round robin. I believe they are somewhere in like 106 or something like that. So Montreal's PDO was average. Phillies was just off the charts incredible so they have a 7.1 percent advantage on the pdo scale which is very measurable but once again numbers like that not necessarily sustainable over the long haul can it be extended from one series to two definitely now, obviously, this is the series that I will be watching the most closely. It's one that I genuinely think could go either way. Montreal had success against this Philly team 
in terms of scoring goals against them in the regular season. I think Montreal matches up with Philadelphia very well. But where I think Philadelphia is better prepared to handle Montreal is in the speed element. I don't think Pittsburgh was necessarily built to combat the speed that Montreal's Montreal might be one of the fastest teams in the league. And they used that to their advantage very clearly in that opening qualifying round. Now, I don't think they'll be able to use their speed in the same way against the Philadelphia Flyers. And I think the Flyers are just simply uh, just better equipped, especially defensively. They're just better equipped to face Montreal and with obviously Carter Hart playing incredible goal, uh, this will just be an absolute, It's to employ a term, it's going to be quote-unquote goaltending porn to watch this series because these two guys are going to be phenomenal. Uh, look, I have to take Philadelphia. I, I have too much respect, and it's not that I disrespected Pittsburgh and don't have respect for Pittsburgh. I do. I was just kind of having a laugh. But I, I don't think Montreal beats Philadelphia. I think this series does go the distance. And I think if Montreal takes Philadelphia to the distance, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, that's going to be such a momentum boost for that team heading into next season where expectations will have to crawl up a little bit. I think it goes the distance, but I'm going to take Philadelphia to win the series. Let's take the Flyers in the full seven games. Now, I'm not going to be betting this series. In much the same way as I'm not betting Vancouver-St. Louis, I'm not betting this series because Montreal could conceivably pull another rabbit out of their hat. Carey Price could remain 2015 Carey Price where he's almost unbeatable. And Montreal could win this series. They certainly could. It, it, it's it's just, I'm not going to bet it one way or the other because, again, I'd feel like a maroon if I get it wrong. And there's not a ton of value on Philly minus 220, so I'm not going to bet this series. Let's go to the Tampa Bay Lightning now. Two and one in round robin play, but certainly limping into this uh, first round matchup. Taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets, who beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in a very thrilling game five. They went, they won that game three to nothing over the Leafs. Columbus comes in, taking on Tampa, a rematch of their huge upset sweep of the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. These two teams only played one time in the regular season. Tampa Bay exerting a very small measure of revenge, winning their only matchup 2-1. to one. Tampa comes into this series laying minus 230 as the betting favorite. Columbus comes in at plus 190. The Lightning only scored six goals in their three-round robin matchups. Uh, Tyler Johnson leading the way with two. They got those six goals from five different goal scorers. And it's kind of a trend where a lot of the teams that played the round robin, the conversation here, the meta, is that like, oh, the teams that played in the round robin, they weren't really playing 100%. And if they weren't, that's their fault because they have to get ready for this. If only Philadelphia and Vegas were playing at 100%, that's the fault of the other teams that were in the round robin. So I'm not going to give teams credit for, oh, they weren't playing at 100%. If you want to do that, feel free. I'm not giving teams that much credit after being you know, on a three to four month layoff. Columbus scored a dozen goals in that five-game series against Toronto. Those goals coming from nine different goal scorers. Pierre-Luc Dubois leading the way with a hat trick. I believe it was in game four or game three of that series against Toronto. Another excellent goaltending matchup here in, you know, in tandem certainly with Columbus. But Tampa Bay, Vasilevsky played all three games. Stopped 82 of 89 shots for a 921 save percentage. He obviously did not miss a beat. The combination of Eunice Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens did play well against Toronto. They faced a ton of puck in that series. 179 saves on 188 shots. A 952 save percentage against a very good offensive team in Toronto. Corsi Fenwick and PDO over the last few seasons. Tampa Bay holds a marginal advantage of 0.5% on the Corsi scale. Columbus holds a marginal 0.8% advantage on the Fenwick scale. In terms of PDO, 
puck luck. Tampa's got the big edge here over the last few years. A 2.9% advantage on the PDO scale. That is significant. Now, despite only winning two of their three games in the round robin and only scoring six goals, the possession numbers for Tampa Bay looked very, very good in the round robin. A 3.8% and 3.2% advantage, respectively, on the Corsi and Fenwick scales over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Columbus is a puck possession team, so the fact that Tampa Bay could have that measurement of an advantage over them, they got to feel pretty good about that. Now, Columbus did flip the script in terms of PDO. They did get pretty lucky on some of their shots in that series against uh, Freddie Anderson and Toronto. A 3.2% edge for the Blue Jackets in terms of PDO. And obviously, when you score 12 goals, your opponent only scores 6. Your PDO is definitely going to be higher. There has to be an emotional element to this series, especially for the Tampa Bay Lightning as they're coming in Understanding that this team, obviously not with all of these pieces, but this franchise swept them, swept them clean out of town in the playoffs last year, and it had to be embarrassing for them. Obviously, this Tampa Bay Lightning team, their aspirations are the Stanley Cup, and they should be. I guess everyone's aspirations are the Stanley Cup, but their very real tangible goal is the Stanley Cup. And, you know, they had to be embarrassed by what happened last year. So they're coming into this series with revenge on their mind. And given that Columbus got taken to the limit by a Toronto team that is very, very flawed, on paper, you got to believe, once again, Tampa should win this series in maybe five. But again, they're limping into this series. We don't know when Steven Stamkos is going to play. All we know is he's not playing in game one because that's already been announced. We don't know when Victor Hedman is going to play in this series. He is still considered, I think, doubtful for game one and highly questionable moving forward. If Stamkos can't go, I think Tampa's better equipped to make up that difference. If Hedman, who is an elite defenseman in this league, if he's not ready to go, it's very difficult for Ryan McDonough to try to replace the offense and replace everything that Victor Hedman brings to the table. It's a lot more difficult for Tampa to replace that. I still think Tampa wins the series. I'm going to take the Lightning in six games. This is a series that is going to be hard fought. It's going to be emotional. These two teams don't like each other. And I don't expect them to like each other. I don't expect them to magically be sending each other Christmas cards. So it's going to be a hard-fought series, and how quickly Stamkos and Hedman come back into the lineup for Tampa Bay is going to dictate a lot. I am going to take Tampa. I'll take Tampa in six games. I am not, however, betting this series, just because there's too many variables, too many unknowns for me. I'm not sure how one team is going to look missing two of their biggest pieces, I have all the faith in the world in Andre Vasilevsky to be the better goaltender in this series, but I'm just not going to personally bet it. Just too many variables for me. So that's three series so far, I believe, that I'm not going to bet. Our penultimate series sees the Washington Capitals at an even 1-1-1 through the round robin as the third seed in the East, taking on the number seven seed New York Islanders who dispatched the Florida Panthers in four games. I felt like it should have been a sweep. However, they were very clearly the better team right from when the puck first dropped in that series. This was a very high-scoring regular season matchup. These two teams actually got to play each other four times in the regular season. They each won two of those games, and the other two were lost in regulation. They combined for 28 goals in those four games. Seven goals per game. Like, that's a lot. And scoring was even, 14-14. to These two teams stand on the edge of a knife in terms of which one is better when they're directly playing head-to-head. I think that's reflected somewhat in the betting odds. Washington comes into the series, obviously, as the favorite, laying minus 145. The Islanders you can get at plus money, plus 125 right now on five dimes. 
Washington struggled to score goals again. Very familiar story in round-robin play, only scoring five goals in three games, all five of those goals coming from different goal scorers. The Islanders, meanwhile, pocketed a Baker's dozen worth of goals against uh, Bobrovsky and Florida. 13 goals from seven different goal scorers, two different goal scorers having three. Another pretty solid goaltending matchup here. We should see heavy doses of both Braden Holtby and Semyon Varlamov for Washington and the Islanders, respectively. Holtby stopping 74 of 80 shots in the round robin. That's a 925 save percentage. And Varlamov with a 932 save percentage, stopping 96 of 103. Once again, it's a tale of two cities on the analytical side here. Over the past few regular seasons, Washington holds a pretty measurable advantage. 2.1% on both the Corsi and Fenwick scales, so in terms of possession. And they also have something of an advantage in terms of PDO puck luck, 0.4%. However, in these playoffs, again, a reflection of one team that played well, one team that really didn't in the round robin, you've got the New York Islanders with a 2.8% advantage on the Corsi scale, 4.4% on the Fenwick scale, and a measurable 5.7% in terms of PDO. However, the Islanders are one of those teams that have a crazy high PDO from the first round that will fall back down to the norm over the length of time. So obviously these are two teams that know each other incredibly well, two teams that play a lot against each other, two teams that play each other very well. And I like the underdogs. I like the New York Islanders in this series. I genuinely think that they play the type of game, the smothering defensive game, arguably one of the best utilized fourth lines in hockey, where you just send your fourth line out there to grind down the other team's top six. And over the course of a full series, as long as Semyon Varlamov holds up, because remember, Braden Holpe, yes, he had a good round robin. Braden Holpe was benched earlier this season. Like, Ilya Samsonov played big chunks of this year. He's not available for them. It's Holpe all the way. And I think that happened, you know, a year or two ago as well, where, you know, there's question marks about Holpe, and then he willy-nilly went and won a Stanley Cup. So maybe it's bad business to bet against Braden Holpe. But the goaltending has to be what holds up. For the New York Islanders. If Semyon Varlamov can duplicate what he did against a Florida Panthers team that, look, Florida has a lot of offensive weapons. They're not a good team, but they have a lot, or they had a lot of offensive weapons. That's a team that can score some goals. I would argue that they had more scoring depth than a team like Toronto. That's a team that can score some goals, and Semyon Varlamov held them to seven in four games. If Varlamov can repeat that against another team, very deep in terms of scoring, didn't show it in the round robin, but very deep in terms of their scoring, the Islanders can definitely win this series. And I think they're going to. I'm taking the upset here. I like the New York Islanders to upset the Washington Capitals in the first round. And I'm going to take the Islanders in six games. So obviously you get the Islanders at plus money with a betting line of plus 125. I will be betting that series. Islanders plus 125. Islanders take it in six. And here we go, folks. We have reached the end. The final series we're going to look at, the Boston Bruins, the number four seed, plummeting all the way from the number one seed with an 0-3 performance in the round robin, taking on the Carolina Hurricanes who swept the lottery-winning New York Rangers out of the qualifying round. Boston's obviously coming into this series beaten up. They were not at full health uh, in the round robin. So, I mean, look, again, maybe you're giving, you can give more credit to, oh, you know, teams weren't playing at 100%, blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's something to that. I just think it's too easy. I just think it's too convenient of an excuse. They won the only head-to-head matchup 2-0 against Carolina in the regular season. The betting odds are fairly close on this series. Boston comes in as the favorite, laying minus 155. 
Carolina at plus money, plus 135 on the five dimes betting line. Boston only scored four goals in three games in the round robin. Uh, Chris Wagner leading the way for the Bruins with a pair of goals. Carolina, meanwhile, scoring 11 goals from seven different goal scorers with two forwards scoring three goals apiece. The goaltending matchup here is night and day, and this is why... I'm really nervous for the Boston Bruins and really nervous for Bruins backers. Because look, if the goal scoring simply wasn't there, but the goaltenders were playing on point, then it's like, okay, I kind of get that. The goaltenders weren't even on point for Boston in the round robin. The combination of Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak stopping 80 of 89 shots that's only an 899 save percentage. That's not good enough in the NHL. That's not good enough at the highest level of hockey. On the other side, the combination of Peter Morazic and James Reimer, and Boston has to know they're going to get a look at both goaltenders in this series. Morazic and Reimer combining to stop 84 of 88 Rangers shots in that three-game series. That's a 955 save percentage. Over the course of 20 shots in an average game, Boston's going to give up two goals. Carolina's only going to give up one. Statistically speaking, with what they've played in the round robin and qualifying round, that's a significant advantage. That's an extra goal per 20 shots. Carolina does hold a pretty measurable possession advantage in terms of the advanced stats, the analytics. Carolina, a 2.6% advantage on the Corsi scale over the past three years and a 1.9% advantage on the Fenwick scale over the past three years. But these are two very, very good possession hockey teams. So when I say that Carolina has a significant advantage, it's still understanding both of these teams love possessing the puck. Boston with a pretty measurable edge in terms of the puck luck at an extra 2.5%. In these playoffs, Boston's possession numbers have basically remained the same. They actually hold a 1.8% advantage over Carolina in terms of the Corsi scale and a 0.4% advantage in terms of Fenwick. So Carolina's possession numbers, I think, did kind of crawl down a little bit in that series against the Rangers. But Boston's numbers, even though they struggled in the round robin, stayed pretty well true. Now, PDO, Carolina has a ridiculous 12% advantage. And that's because, again, they are one of those teams that's up there with like a 106 PDO because they only played three games and they were incredibly lucky against the Rangers in terms of getting huge saves and scoring goals. So again, that obviously is going to come back down to the norm. I don't put a ton of stock in the fact that they have a 12% PDO advantage. Let's put it that way. As was the case with the Tampa Bay Lightning, I think my confidence in the Boston Bruins depends on the health of their top players. Is David Pasternak ready to go or was he just getting rest? Is Patrice Bergeron, I always have to put the extra English on that one, extra French actually, is, is, is Patrice Bergeron ready to go? Is Brad Marchand ready to go? Everybody knows that that top line is one of the elite top lines in hockey, maybe still the best top line in hockey. If they're firing on all cylinders, it's going to be a tough time for Morazic and Reimer, who played very well, but we know in both cases are very beatable. Carolina plays a system that can absolutely, positively beat the Boston Bruins. The question is, will they? My answer to that question? Yes, they will. I'm taking the underdog in this series. I'm taking the Carolina Hurricanes. I believe in Carolina. I believe in that system they play. They have great top-end talent, a great defensive system, goaltenders that are playing well and who they have confidence in. They can deploy either one. I think the Carolina Hurricanes come up with this upset. I'm taking Carolina, but I think the series goes the full seven games. Carolina stuns Boston in game seven. The era of the Boston Bruins kind of begins to show some chinks in the armor in this one. And Carolina wins this thing in the full seven games. I like Carolina at plus money. Carolina plus 135. I will be betting that series line. I got the Hurricanes moving on. 
There you go, folks. Those are my picks for first round play in the 2020 NHL tournament to crown a Stanley Cup champion. So, once again, the predictions. On the Western side, I've got Vegas in five games over Chicago. Colorado in five games over Arizona. I got the Calgary Flames in seven over the Dallas Stars. And the St. Louis Blues in full seven-game series over Vancouver. That would set up Western Conference semifinal matchups of the Vegas Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames. And the Colorado Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues, and what a series that would be. On the eastern side of things, I've got Philadelphia over Montreal in seven games. I've got Tampa Bay over Columbus in six games. I've got the New York Islanders upsetting the Washington Capitals in six games. And I've got the Carolina Hurricanes upsetting the Boston Bruins in seven games. That is going to lead to Eastern Conference semifinals of Philadelphia, New York, and Tampa Bay, Carolina. That's it for me. What are your predictions for the first round of these NHL playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, I guess, technically, if you want to call them that now? What are your picks? What are your predictions? What do you think is going to happen I want to take one second and shout out my boy Smitty at NHL Picks 2 on Twitter. I got to watch the live stream last night with Smitty and Corona Picks. They were also talking to Mikey and Beak Bets. It was an excellent show. I've retweeted it on my Twitter. Take an hour and watch it. It's a lot of great information from people that are really, really talented at capping in general, and especially with Smitty capping the NHL. Very, very worth the watch. Thank you, boys, for the information. It was very helpful. And look, we're, we're back. We're back in the. We're back in it. We're back in here. That's it for me, Justin Bridgewater's finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Fueled today by water because my God, is it hot in here? Go Habs go, even though I didn't pick you to win. But if you do, I will be out of my mind insane. And hey, let's see what happens. First round playoffs, baby.